If I was to go around the room and encourage us to share experiences from life, I'm sure that we would have many descriptions of moments that have uh, left us shaking our heads, confused, surprised, perplexed, puzzled, perhaps even despairing. Things that uh, have happened to you and I or to, to family and to friends. So, so things known to us personally, and this is before we even open our newspapers and get into the, the headlines uh, of news from around the world. I'm talking about moments where uh, our own world or others close to us, our world has, has literally been turned upside down by something that has happened. It's that coming home to terrible news. It's, it's the receiving of a phone call uh, that was unexpected. It, it's those test results at the doctors. It's perhaps an accident or a tragedy that has struck. And with that has come a change of circumstances that has completely taken us or somebody else completely by surprise. This world that we live in has a way of making us feel small, alone, and vulnerable. Our question this evening is, does anything take God by surprise? Does anything take God by surprise? From the Bible, I want to show us tonight that nothing takes God by surprise. He knows everything, even the future. And also that everything that happens to us is part of his good plan. This question, does anything take God by surprise? It is part of a wider question in the sense of what is the God of the Bible really like? So for example, if God knew that something was going to happen and he loved us, could he not have stopped the tragedy from striking or the suffering from happening? If he didn't stop it, what does that say about his power and his love? Was he not powerful enough to stop the tragedy? Or is he not loving enough to stop the tragedy? Very quickly from this one question, we spin off into other areas dealing with the nature of God. As we go through tonight, it would be good maybe to bear in mind, um, in some, to some extent, the words of Monty Python. 
Monty Python said that God is very, very big. There is a danger, you see, that when we think about God, we think that he's a bit like us on a good day. That he's a slightly bigger version of you and I. Um, at the end of the day, there's just not much difference when all's said and done. But actually, um, God is very, very big. And as we grapple with this question, it is going to challenge us um, to be humble before the Bible, because that is where we come to an understanding of what God is like. That is how he has revealed, and that is how he has revealed himself to us. So we're going to go straight to the Bible, and we're going to go back to those words of Jesus, um, words spoken to his disciples. So if you've closed your Bibles, turn back to Matthew chapter 10, page 975. And uh, there we have um, just a short passage, verse uh, uh, 29 to 31. And I want just for a few moments, to draw out three things from these verses to help us with this question. And the first is to do with the Father's knowledge. The Father's knowledge. And it is to see that the Father's knowledge, the way that Jesus describes it, is an all-knowing, intimate, and an intimate detail. The knowledge that God has of his creation is uh, intimate, he is all-knowing. So let me read verse 29. Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So Jesus tells suffering Christians to remember this. Not one sparrow will fall to the ground. The hairs of your head are all numbered. God knows these things. The sparrow would have been the cheapest of birds sold for food in a market then. Yet God has knowledge of this creature. God has knowledge of all his creatures and of every one of his children. The knowledge of what happens to the sparrows, it is known by God. The knowledge, his knowledge extends to knowing all about his children as well. If we turn back to, to Psalm 139, we, we heard something of God's knowledge in, in Psalm 139. So going back um, to page uh, 628, it tells us more about God's knowledge as the writer King David reflects on the amazing detail of God's knowledge in our lives. So verses 1 and 2 
he reflects on the fact that God knows our actions and thoughts. You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Verse 4. He knows the words we will say before they are spoken. Before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely. And then verse 16. He knows all the days of our lives even before we are born. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God's knowledge of his world, creatures, and his children is perfect and complete. If we had time, we could look at Old Testament prophecy. How again and again in the Old Testament we're told that God is the one who knows the future. So Isaiah 42 verse 9. He is the one who can say, see the former things have taken place and new things I declare before they spring into being. I announce them to you. As we come towards Christmas, our Christmas cards will have Old Testament Uh, Verses again and again telling of Jesus. Uh, And so Old Testament prophets speak about tiny details of the life and death of Jesus in advance. The Bible tells us about the God who knows the future and who knows the tiny details of every one of our lives as well. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. This is the knowledge that God has of all his creatures and every one of his children. He knows us best. God's knowledge, as described here, suggests that it is worth having him in charge of this world. And worth knowing him as a saviour. One that we can trust. Such is the father's knowledge. But let's move on to, to look at these words some more that Jesus speaks. And think about the father's will. Nothing takes God by surprise. He says to his disciples about the smallest of animals who potentially are completely vulnerable and alone and small. He says, yet not one of them will fall to the ground, verse 29, apart from the will of your father. Nothing happens in this world that takes God by surprise. Everything happens according to his will, his plan. Now in a sinful world where evil exists and bad things happen, Jesus here is telling suffering Christians to remember this. 
the will of the Father. And it's to be a comfort. Now, as we think about the Father's will, the Father's plan, the Father's control, we should also note that the Bible, while stating this to be true, in no way diminishes human responsibility for evil actions. The Bible speaks of God's complete control of all that happens in creation, but also speaks of humans making real choices and and real decisions and being completely responsible for their actions, not just robots. So if we look back to the verse uh, at the start of the service sheet, it takes us back to uh, the story of Joseph in Genesis. And Joseph summarizes all that happened with these final words to his brothers. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So through that story, and in this summary, His brothers are held responsible for their actions, but ultimately it was not them, but God who was controlling the outcome to achieve his good purpose, the saving of many lives. So this story in Genesis uh, illustrates how God's sovereignty works with our choices that are real and for which we bear responsibility rightly. Now, another example of this, and most strikingly, is the crucifixion of Jesus. So flick forward to to Acts chapter 2. It's on page 1093. Acts chapter 2, when Peter, the disciple of Jesus, the apostle, is preaching to the crowd and speaking of Jesus in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. uh, This is what he says. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you here it comes, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. So in verse 23, there is this explanation of what happened or how the cross came about. John Stott says, the same event, the death of Jesus, is attributed simultaneously to both the purpose of God and the wickedness of man or men. In other words, Jesus, uh, we read in the Gospels, knew from the very beginning of his ministry that he would die a brutal death to pay for the penalty our sins deserved. But as we look at the Gospels, what we also see unfolding is that the Jewish people willingly hated him. Judas willingly betrayed him. Pilate handed him over despite knowing that he was innocent. 
And in each case, wicked men chose to do what they most wanted to do. And it resulted in the death of Jesus. And yet in this summary from Peter, we're reminded that this was precisely what God willed for the saving of many lives. The Father's will is always happening. Jesus' death on the cross, part of God's plan, the most horrendous of acts of suffering and seeming tragedy. Not a surprise, but according to his will. The question quickly becomes for us, can we trust this God with our lives? And so we must think finally about the Father's character. What does Jesus say in verse 31 to his disciples? He reminds his followers that God is your loving Heavenly Father. Loving Heavenly Father. Let me just get back to Matthew 10, verse 31. He says to them, so don't be afraid. As this world potentially makes you feel small, alone, and vulnerable, he says, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You're not just worth one sparrow. You're not just worth more than one sparrow. You are worth more than many sparrows. I'm worth more than many sparrows. Sparrows sold in the marketplace to a penny. If the father cares for the sparrow, how much more will he care for his children? Jesus wants his followers tonight to remember our worth to God. Our worth to the Father. The Father, his character is not to be doubted. He is loving. That is demonstrated most clearly by Jesus going to the cross. By Jesus saying and praying, your will be done, Father. Going to the cross to demonstrate the Father's love. That on the cross, God gave the most precious thing that he had. So that all who trust in his Son can be fully forgiven and brought into his family to a certain and secure and amazing future with God. You know, we all like to understand why things are happening. I've got small children, and already the question is often why. And big children are no different when things happen. We like to understand 
I go back to the point at the start. We may not always be able to understand everything God does. But in those moments, we are being shown what God is like. And what we are told about him can always outweigh the things we don't know. The things that are causing us to struggle. And we then must seek his help to trust him. When we need convincing, look at the cross. The Father is loving and trustworthy. That is where his character is most clearly displayed. So whatever our circumstances tonight or tomorrow, the challenge is going to be to trust him. Whatever it is that is making us feel small or alone or vulnerable, the challenge is going to be to trust him. In times of uncertainty, what must we remember? Remember the Father's knowledge. He knows about the sparrow, the hairs on our heads. If he knows the tiny little details, you can trust him with the big things too. And remember the Father's will. He is in complete control of all the circumstances of our lives. This brings great freedom from worry about the future. Convinced not just that God will somehow cause um, his major purposes to work out all right in the end, but that all things now work together for good. For those who love God and are called according to his purposes. So remember the Father's knowledge, remember the Father's will, and remember the Father's character, even in great suffering. Know that what has come about has come about not because he was unable to prevent it. Because this thing too is part of his wise and loving plan. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would work in us tonight by your word a deeper trust in Jesus that you would help us to repent where we have been failing to trust and that you would help us to trust you more tonight to believe and to be convinced that you are in control of all that is happening that you're in control of the future, that you're in control of every detail of our life, and that you are our loving Heavenly Father. Help us to trust you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.